Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. You cannot affect me in my sleep. It's a bird. It's a plane. Is it a whale? No, it's the New Kids on the Block podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I'm one of your co-hosts, Fody Philochorus, joined by my esteemed colleague, Mr. Yidu. How are you doing tonight, Yidu? I'm doing great, Fody. It's the market has been great, and your intro was fire, so I'm excited to get this thing going. My intro is going to the moon, as they say. That's what the, that's what the kids uh, that's what the kids are are looking for nowadays, especially when we're talking about crypto. Right, right. What date is it, by the way? Oh, today is Thursday, October 14th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Mm. Yeah. So You know what? I think that might not be right. I think you meant October. 14th. October. Ah, it's October. Okay. Yes. It's it's October and uh, hopefully it will continue to go October. Uh, a <laughs> couple of days to my birthday. So I'd like some blessings. There you go. Uh, you know. It's been a couple of days since we, we spoke. It's been a it's been an interesting weekend. I think we have some some interesting topics tonight. Um, nothing no, you know nothing particularly from a from like a main topic perspective. I think we we just kind of want to touch upon kind of some big news um, of the week. Um, a couple of the a couple questions that we have kind of rolling in, and then we'll uh, we'll round out with some. Um, some big movers and, and shakers of the week. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do this. All right. Let's get started with the weekly roundup, 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 roundup. <laughs> All right. That, 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 that should sound a lot more uh, interesting if, if we were better at editing, but it's all good. Um, so you do interesting, uh, interested to hear what is, uh, one of the, uh, the pieces of news that's been out, uh, since in the last six days that, uh, that's got you chuffed. What do you, uh, what do you want to talk about tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I have this, this, um, this coin market um, share pulled up chart pulled up here. And the biggest news is that Bitcoin has went up 6% since last week and Ethereum has went up by 5.4%. Um, and the rest, rest of alt, alt market kind of went down a little bit. So basically what happened in the past week is that Bitcoin woke up, the king woke up and decided to pull ahead, ahead of everyone else in the market. Um, and the price, you know, basically shot up, I believe in a, in a span of six or seven days significantly. Uh, I remember there was a, a candle earlier in the week, a daily candle, uh, which basically went up by like, 3,000 in like 15 minutes span, which was crazy. Uh, but that's what Bitcoin does, right? In a, in a bull market like this. Uh, we're call, Yes, we're calling this a bull market. Uh, it's confirmed on the show. Uh, confirmed. That way. You yes. heard it here first, folks. It's confirmed. <laughs> so yeah, so both BTC, actually BTC went up so much. It sucked so much air out of the room that even Ethereum uh, was eclipsed a little bit. Uh, it did went back up a little bit today, but uh, the overall trend in the past week is that BTC's dominance has taken a new high, uh, which means um, all of the, the remaining altcoins were basically uh, overtaken. Uh, you can see like some other, there's still some other coins that still did pretty well, but overall 
as you can see on this chart, most of the alts are in red. So I, I think it's I think it's pretty important to put context around this, right? So when when folks kind of you know when you make a statement like you know Bitcoin woke up and it started roaring and it killed like some of the alt market, I think I think it's critical to kind of explain to to people why that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if we look at it from a macro perspective, right, the the important thing to think about, and and maybe this is oversimplification of of kind of the way that I view this. But when we look at kind of the crypto market, you look at it similarly as you would any other type of investment market. It doesn't operate exactly the same way, but the concepts are the same, right? So there's a finite amount of money that's in the industry. And and that has to do with the market capitalization, right? So when you look at things like Bitcoin, which is evaluated at, you know, about a trillion dollars, I think, Mm -hmm. It is now, and yep. Ethereum's a couple hundred billion, et cetera, et cetera. There's only so much money that moves around, right? Especially mm-hmm. as we are waiting on new investors, retail investors like myself, and and people like that to kind of you know step into the market, right? Which I'm sure we will see in the, in the coming months. But is is that an easy way to describe why you know money kind of moves from alts to to the to the big boys like Bitcoin and Ethereum? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think I think that's you you hit the nail right on the head, right? There's like so much rotation going on uh within the crypto market. Uh right now we're not seeing a significant amount of um influx or, or new money coming into the crypto market. So a lot of that is still kind of the rotation within the crypto industry, right? You know, you're seeing the rotation moving from the layer one coins to the to back to Bitcoin as well as some of the alts. That were doing really well earlier in the year, like Solana um, and even Avalanche, um, those kind of coins, people are kind of shifting their attention back to the majors, which is BTC and ETH. And that does happen, you know, in a bull market like this, because eventually um, the market is being driven by the majors. And if you are really maxi about it, you can say all these other coins are basically distractions. All of that is just to help you to build your portfolio size in BTC and ETH. However, I will say is that does not mean that the BTC dominance will keep going up. Uh, what might happen as we venture deeper into the bull market is that you might see some new money, some new retail money coming in. Um, imagine like Christmas or Thanksgiving this year. Uh, probably I would imagine there will be a lot of conversation on the dinner table talking about retail, whether it's like, um, you know, Dogecoin or Shiba or some other uh, alternative coins. Oh, God. So don't be surprised when when Shiba become the dinner conversation at the Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, we see another resurgence of these new retail based um, as coins. Yeah, I think all the kids uh, this year are going to be asking Santa for uh, for some Ethereum. Right. Um, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's 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 the hope. That's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I, I think when people look, at least from a retail investor perspective, it, it's a little bit of an interesting time on the way up, you know, at the, at the start of the bull market, right? Because mm-hmm. you you do see Bitcoin that starts to move, but the thousand percenters and the you know fifteen hundred percenters or the you know the ten xer types of coins typically tend to be in the altcoin realm, right? So people. People kind of is it is it fair to say that people kind of are looking for Bitcoin to to kind of level off at a current point, and that's where we start seeing movement in altcoins, or is it is that like an oversimplification as well? 
No, I think I think that's a fair point or fair illustration of what's going on. Like you're you're absolutely spot on, right? Like we're not we're not gonna sit here and pretend that there's another 10x in Bitcoin. That's never gonna happen. Uh, like you said, it's already a a one trillion dollars market, and uh, it's not going to do another 5x from here. At least not in this bull cycle. But you're right. absolutely right. You know, it is possible that for another small cap coin um, for it to go up 10x, 100x, or even 1000x between now and the end of the year. Uh, and we can talk more about you know some of the, the assets that has gone up significantly in the past few weeks. But on the overall, you know, it, it's definitely a very interesting time in terms of the rotation between the smaller caps coins uh, into the majors. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I the the mantra that I like to kind of denote when I'm when I think about this stuff is that Bitcoin is for the wealthy, and uh, altcoins are for you know are for making people rich. Right. Mm-hmm. Like like enough to buy like a nice car, but right. not to have like generational wealth. Right. So <laughs> yeah, when absolutely. Bitcoin moves, it it moves portfolios. It moves, you know, the ultra wealthy, the whales that have a ton of it. Right. Whereas. Yeah. You know something like XRP or or Cardano or 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 my favorite Dogecoin out there moves <laughs> right. It helps people, you know, put a down payment on a you know on, on like on like a Cape house, right? Not like not like a not like a mini right. mansion, but like on a on a smaller house. Yeah, I mean, retail is really priced out out of Bitcoin if you think about it, right? Right. Like who's gonna afford uh, fifty-seven thousand dollars as of today to buy Bitcoin? Um, like retail investors are not going to have that kind of cash laying around uh, what they're going to buy. I mean, and the BTC is really just for institutional investors at this point. And the retail investors are going to be focusing more on the, the kind of the small cap or the, the unit bias. Is, it's a thing, right? Like if you say you can buy a, a Cardano, Cardano for $2 or a Shiba coin for, I don't know, a millionth of a dollar, People, you know, retail investors will flock into that, right? They're not gonna think, oh, they're gonna be like, oh, BTC is way too expensive, so let me buy this this super cheap coin, hoping for that 10x or 100x. I mean, it's a great point. I think speaking of, um, you know, retail investors, something out there that's interesting, mm-hmm. um, which kind of segues pretty well into the, you know, the next piece of news I think we want to talk about. Is the the potential um, Bitcoin ETF approval? I'm hearing things maybe, you know, as soon as Monday of next week that that there's a potential of uh, you know getting a ruling on that um, via the SEC. Uh, what's uh, what are you hearing on the uh, on the Twitter sphere in regards to that? Yeah, yeah, it's so funny that you brought that up because I was just browsing Twitter um, just before the show, and then there was this tweet by SEC investor Ed. It is, it's a blue check account, which means it is a real SEC account. And they're saying that before investing in a fund that holds Bitcoin futures contracts, make sure you carefully weigh the potential risks and benefits. Check out our investor bulletin to learn more. And then there's a link that takes you to a USA government website, which I assume it contains information about uh, investing, how to you know carefully invest your, your, in your uh, portfolio. This is super interesting, right? This this came came at the the hill of the potential ETF decision, um, probably in the next couple of weeks. Are we seeing basically SEC potentially leaking the possibility of approval of Bitcoin ETF? I don't know, but it's definitely the timing is super interesting because 
we knew that Bitcoin, um, there's going to be a futures-based uh, Bitcoin ETF. It's not going to be a, a spot market-based Bitcoin ETF, um, and which means you know there could be some connection going on between what we're seeing here and a potential BTC futures ETF approval. And if that happens, really, it's it means the opening of the floodgate. We're going to see. Yep. Tons of tons of institutional investors coming in, and also basically people who were previously pretty risk averse about Bitcoin is going to have the option or have exposure rather to this asset without holding the actual spot. Yeah, and I I think it's probably important to kind of just briefly explain what an ETF is, right? So for for and this is where I get to flex my muscles. Ooh, ooh I actually <laughs> know stuff in finance, right? So right. um for for folks that are you know, unfamiliar with what an ETF is, that's an exchange traded fund, right? Which essentially is a basket of securities that trade that trade on an exchange, similarly to how like a stock does, right? So, you know, an ETF shares prices can fluctuate all day long, similarly, you know, to how a, a, a normal stock could, or how a um, you know a, a coin price could, or or what have you. The the difference with an ETF is that it can contain all different types of investments. So that could be stocks, commodities, bonds, or cryptocurrencies, right? So if this is approved, Bitcoin um, could be leveraged, right, in a portfolio inside of this fund, mm-hmm. right? That maybe Bitcoin and, and typically how these things are structured, right, is that you will, depending on the risk tolerance of the investor, you will have high risk versus low risk, or you will have high risk investments to medium risk to things like bonds, which are like, you know, very low yield, but very, very um, stable, right, right. From, a, from an investment perspective. So what we can start to see probably if this comes to fruition is cryptocurrency, which is viewed similarly to how um, some kinds of uh, equity type stocks, you know, things that you'd see on the S&P 500, they're riskier investments, right? Because Mm -hmm. the volatility is huge. They move tremendously. So we can start to see cryptocurrencies, in this case, specifically Bitcoin, being a part of that portfolio of that risk weight um, depending on the ETF and how that's being provided. So right. anything you want to add to that? Um, no, no, that I messed think, that I think up? That's, no, that, that's really, like you said, in your <laughs> wheelhouse. So you probably would have explained it much better than I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's super bullish if this can happen, if this ETF or ETFs get approved. Uh, we're going to see basically institutional and retail exposure to the assets um, in their portfolio. And what I will say to that is what, what we're hearing is that it's going to be a very unanimous approval in terms of um, like for, for the various ETFs. I believe there are four right now that's our, that have been submitted for approval. Um, the consensus is that if one of them gets approved, all four of them will get approved and vice versa. If one of them get, um, get denied, all four of them will get denied. Uh, what, what that means is we're going to see many different options. If the, the decision is positive, we're going to see many different options available to, to consumer, uh, to investors uh, all at the same time. That's, that's typically how they go. Let's see how much, right. uh, how much money we you know, can grease the wheels here. But I think you know, similarly to um, a lot of markets here in the US, 
um, you know, when we think of things like marijuana, for example, or gambling, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? You find that people tend to, to, to invest and put their money in it anyway. And what does the government do? They lose out of, <coughs> excuse me, on potential tax, uh, tax revenue. So hopefully, of marijuana. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Speaking of it, um, I need a sip of water. I don't know what happened there. I think, uh, someone's talking about me somewhere. Um, <laughs> probably some, uh, some doge maxis out there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, speaking of, um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, um, are you familiar, you do, with United Wholesale Mortgage? Um, that's the next piece of news I wanted to talk I, about. I am not. Tell me more. Okay. So United Wholesale Mortgage is the largest wholesale mortgage provider in the United States. So what that means is they are not a retail um, provider of uh, mortgage loans, but mm-hmm. they work through um, various intermediaries to provide home loans, right? So I actually mm-hmm. um, purchased a, a home previously via United Wholesale Mortgage. They have some really cool uh, loan products that they can offer you. And basically the only way to, to actually get access to that type of loan is to go through a broker, right? Mm-hmm. So they recently came out this week and they completed their first crypto mortgage payment. Did you hear about this? Wow. I did not. That's that's huge. Yeah, absolutely huge, uh, huge news. So, you know, as uh, not being, well, they're behold, they're beholden to governmental organizations to a degree, right? So they right, work right. with Freddie, May, uh, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Um, but um, United Wholesale Mortgage actually allowed one of their loan uh, holders to to pay in uh, cryptocurrency. So I, I thought that that's a really interesting um, piece of news out there. That is super interesting. Have they specified what types of cryptos would they be uh, accepting? Yeah. So Bitcoin for sure. Um, I think I think there was some discussion around because um, you know th- this is all kind of due to some of the stuff that that Janet Yellen came out with, right? right the the right. Treasury Secretary. She, you know, there, there's a, there's plans to revamp the crypto tax rules. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to pull more than a trillion dollars here in the U.S. for the uh, the infrastructure bill, right? Um, that's right. that's going around Washington D.C. right now. So even even Gensler, Jerome Powell, those guys out there are are talking about how they want to regulate cryptocurrency. And I think what comes with what's coming with that is more and more organizations that are that are accepting crypto, right? So yeah, it started with AMC accepting uh, Dogecoin, uh, you know, one of my personal favorites, and sure. uh, you know the second. Uh, biggest mortgage lender after Quicken Loans, which is United Wholesale Mortgage that no mm-hmm. one's ever heard of unless you're like a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is now accepting uh, Bitcoin to start um, to to pay your home loans. So if yeah. you if you got any bit uh, Bitcoin out there and you got to pay your uh, you got to pay your rent, you got to pay your mortgage. Uh, yeah, put your wallet out there and uh, I'll I will forward it for you. I'll <laughs> yeah. my personal, <laughs> I'll think, my personal wallet. I think I think that's super bullish for for crypto for Bitcoin and crypto as a whole. Although I'm not sure whether it's a good idea to pay with Bitcoin, pay your mortgage with Bitcoin right now, considering 
uh, the value of the coins going up, right? right. Maybe in a bear market, it would make more sense to pay with crypto. Right. In a bull market, uh, it's kind of a, a, you know, it's not the best bet. That's what I'm trying to say. But overall, I definitely say it's hugely bullish for, for the market, for the crypto market. Right. Yeah. And and, and to that degree, you know, we, we heard about AMC. Now we're hearing about United Wholesale Mortgage. Mm -hmm. And as, as recently as today, you got Putin out there signaling that he's oh, uh, he's interested in accepting uh, cryptocurrency as payments uh, in uh, in Mother Russia. Right. Uh, what are you what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Putin finally, you know, wising up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read the news. I didn't really read the article too closely, uh, but, you know, I, I understand you basically. I think it comes about it comes down to the motivation. Right. I, I believe one of his motivations for um, trying to accept uh, cryptocurrencies was to be able to get around the sanctions, um, you know, put in place by the U.S. government. Um, so, yeah, so I think that would make sense. I mean, cryptocurrencies are, are meant to be a uh, kind of a censorship resistant, uh, immut immutable uh, medium of exchange, right? Like in this case, particular case, uh, he, it could be used by a government, uh, you know, trying to, to get around sanctions uh, or for various purposes. Right? I'm not seeing whether that's, that's right or wrong, but um, the fact that um, it, it is something that's being adopted around the world, including, um, you know, whether it's developing developed countries or authoritarian countries, is a testament itself to the availability of the adoption of cryptocurrencies. What do you think? Well, I think that all of our listeners thought we were just some tech guys, right? But we're, we're talking geopoliticals like every week here, folks. I mean, come on. You, you got to appreciate the cultured nature that we have here at the New Kids on the Block. I mean, right. We cover uh, everything. We cover we, all the topics under the sun. No, but on, on a serious note, you kind of have to when you're talking about investment because, right. you know, yeah. like, a, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, president in China farts, right. And it moves the market, right. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, um, I'm trivializing it, but I mean, it, it, it can get down to the, down to the nitty gritties like that. And so. I think that's, what's fascinating about crypto, like to begin with, it's, it's so many things, right. It is sure. It is about business. It is about technology. It is about finance, but it's also about culture. It is also about politics. It's about like everything, like under, it's not even about philosophy, right? Like, a lot of the principles that's being applied in crypto, like it comes from from like really metaphysical understanding of how the world works, how how people think and how people behave, right? It's it's sociology, it's psychology, it's it's math, it's finance, it's everything, right? That's what makes it really fascinating for me. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think you know to that point. Um, it is becoming quite ubiquitous, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a great time to be an investor. It's a great time to be a, a podcaster, obviously, because there's, there's nothing but content. You're seeing, you know, really, really rigid organizations like, you know, United Wholesale Mortgage, which, uh, you know, not, not to say that they're a rigid organization, but, you know, they, they are a sure. large lender of money. They, they are essentially yeah. a bank, right? Where mm -hmm. banks are kind of lagging behind, um, accepting crypto, you have, you know, companies like AMC. Now, are you familiar with Strike as well? Have you heard of yeah, the Strike, of Strike yeah. app? Yeah. So Strike now is allowing you to, you know, buy Bitcoin and, and, and send it similarly to how you would on Cash App or Venmo. 
Um, you're hearing, you're hearing folks, uh, you know, like Putin out there that's talking about it. I mean, it's, it's outrageous. Um, some of the movement there, but, uh, um, really fascinated stuff. Um, let's, let's move on. Shall we let's talk about, you know, I think it's a topic that we want to discuss, uh, you know, hopefully maybe, maybe later this week. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, Coinbase now recently, I think they had over a million users sign up for their, um, you know, the, the pre-release effectively of their right. NFT marketplace, um, NFTs rearing their very colorful penguiny ape gorilla heads again. <laughs> How do you feel about this? I know you're a big NFT guy. So tell me, uh, tell me, uh, tell me why Coinbase is ruining the, uh, the coolness of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, this is probably the biggest news of the day for me, right? Like from the crypto and NFT perspective, like Coinbase probably has the largest on-ramp consumer exposure in the entire crypto market. And the fact that they are entering the NFT market is huge. I think the reason why they're doing this is because they know uh, regular regular Joes is not going to learn how to cryptographically uh, uh, you know, understand Bitcoin or send a transaction from a cold wallet. That's all too complicated, you know? I think the real way for Coinbase to be able to um, engage with and also attract more regular customers is to have something that's easier to use or easier to understand. And NFT is a great way to, it's almost like a gateway drug for crypto because uh, if you show somebody a a profile picture of a a crypto punk or a penguin or, or a bored ape, they can immediately elicit a, a emotion out of them, right? They can say whether whether they think it's valuable, they think it's it, it sucks or or it's great, and as soon as people feel it, they can understand it. Um, rather than you know, if you're just talking about like SHA two fifty six cryptography, people are not going to give a crap about it. So this is a really brilliant, smart move by by Coinbase to really venture into the the ordinary people who know nothing about crypto. But eventually, once they they buy into the NFTs, they're going to start owning their own crypto. They're going to build up their wallet. They're going to put their NFTs on the Coinbase uh, wallet so that they can show it to their friends on Thanksgiving, maybe. Yeah, I think it's a really brilliant move. And I think that's going to be a great way for us to expand the user base. Um, and hopefully, uh, we'll get more users uh, into crypto. Yeah, really brilliant move by uh, Coinbase, seeing that OpenSea was doing billions of dollars every month, mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted right. a piece of that pie. I yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. They want to eat OpenSea's lunch uh, as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and that's that's essentially where you know a lot of innovation is driven in the tech world, right? It's like you know I see someone doing better than me, I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's at least that's Amazon's mantra. But I digress, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, my personal thoughts on it are, um, I still need to understand a little bit more about what NFTs are. I mean, as a retail investor, you know, I understand the concept of it. I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm late, right? For whatever reason on the, you know, trying to find the next new project um, that's going to be uber valuable, right? Like, uh, you know, for all of our listeners that are unaware, uh, my, uh, my, my esteemed uh, colleague and co-host, uh, you do here is is a fan of the pudgy penguins, right? So he uh, he's very interested in seeing how this could uh, potentially pump that market as well. Um, but you know, for 
um, for someone like myself, hopefully it brings more artists to the table. Um, you know, that minting will continue. That's, that's going to be only good for Ethereum. I think, um, right. we are seeing that there are, um, kind of some new blocks out there that are, you know, opening up applications for NFT minting as well, mm-hmm. which is really, really fascinating stuff. You know, there are some NFT games that are coming out there. Um, which I think we have a whole episode lined up to talk about some of the, the crypto gaming and, and, you know, things like Axie and, and stuff like that, uh, that's kind of exploding right now, but, uh, I'm interested. I'm interested. Um, I'm curious, I'm curious to see when that's actually going to open up and why they had to do a pre-release for it or like a waiting list for it. You know, cause if you have a million users, let, let a million users and let a million people start buying. Right. 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 Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I just signed up for the, for the waiting list yesterday. And I'm pretty excited for for the market to be officially um, online. Um, and like you like you said, you know, like definitely NFT is gonna significantly. It's almost like creating a moat around the Ethereum net- network um, by onboarding users, having them use the Ethereum network. Um, and you're right, there are some other blockchains that are starting to offer NFTs, such as Tezos, Solana. Um, Polkadot and even Avalanche are starting to have NFTs marketplaces. However, um, none of that can compare to Ethereum in, in terms of the the volume uh, as well as the kind of the user network effect around it, right? So, which is why um, Coinbase, you know, as as a traditionally, a, a, I would say like a, a backer of Ethereum, they, they are always very supportive of the Ethereum network of the coins based on Ethereum. So definitely, um, that is going to help them to shore up that moat around the Ethereum network. First mover advantage, baby. If you find a new technology and it's the first one there, get your money in there. Right? Definitely. Yep. Stuff around. Okay. So um, last piece in the weekly roundup, I think um, you wanted to talk about um, Celsius. What's the news on Celsius this week? Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of uh, coming out of the left field news. So Celsius Network is a centralized crypto bank uh, lending company. So they just announced uh, a $400 million raise um, this week. And I think this is pretty huge as well. Um, You know, given all the talks that's going on around like the security, uh, this debate around cryptocurrencies, um, I think the SEC has, has been kind of dishing out some warnings around whether cryptocurrencies is a security or not, especially stable coins. Um, so I think this kind of came at the, the hill of those announcements. And despite those, those fear and uncertainty and doubts, they still raised $400 million. Uh, I think it's pretty, pretty bullish and huge news for them. And for those of you who are not familiar with Celsius, think of it like a traditional bank, you know, like a Bank of America or Wells Fargo. They offer like a really, really meager uh, returns on your savings. Maybe, I don't know, like the 0.5% on your savings. Uh, even less than that, I think. Uh, Fody, you can check me on that. Um, but you know, Celsius, on the other hand, um, offers, I would say, somewhere in the region of between six to even ten percent return on your savings. So by putting your money in the centralized uh, crypto service, crypto bank services like Celsius or BlockFi, you effectively you're getting yield out of your coins. It's basically a passive income. Um, that pays you every week or every month, depending on which service you use, um, so that you don't have to let your money go to waste in the bank. 
So to me, uh, it, it's a pretty cool service, even if that means you're giving away your, your private keys. Um, but for beginners who are not familiar with DeFi or decentralized finance lending protocols, this could be a good way to start uh, having some passive incomes ba based on your uh, the coins, the cryptos you have. Yeah, and and let's let's just I want to talk about you know the yield farming aspect of mm -hmm. that in a second, but I just want to touch upon the fact that this company raised four hundred million dollars. So venture capitalists and investors don't give out money without evaluating you and your at you know you and your organization your your business value proposition um the total addressable market and things right. like that that you can hit on um when you raise 400 million dollars that that essentially means that you're evaluated at over a billion dollars which puts you easily in the unicorn category this is a term that's used for startups and companies that um, are essentially worth a tremendous amount, right? So I think, <clears throat> what are what are they valued at right now? You do? I see. Yeah, I uh, just looked it up. They they're valued at three point twenty five billion dollars. Three three point two five billion dollars, right? So um, that is absolutely tremendous, right? Coming from what is essentially a startup, right? It's a crypto mm -hmm. lender. Um, you put your money in there and you can start, um, you can start, you know, getting some kind of return for that. Whereas they in return will take the crypto that you have and move it around, use it to invest, things like that. Right. Is that, yeah. is that essentially how, how they make money? I mean, that's how banks make money. So yeah, yeah. That, that's um, exactly how they make money as well. I think the difference is that they probably, put the money into a decentralized finance protocol, lending protocol. And then uh, they do a bunch of like a decentralized way of, of doing things instead of in the traditional finance world, um, you know, there's like zero visibility into what they're doing. Uh, and also the rates are so much worse, right? I think I personally, I don't really subscribe to the idea of a, a centralized crypto bank like Celsius, but I do see the value of, of having that as a intermediary step into the true decentralized finance. Uh, obviously the eventual goal is to be able to self-custody your coins. You can do like DeFi yield farming by yourself, but not everybody has the technical savviness to do that right now. Uh, this is why companies like Celsius and BlockFi come in, they can you know custody your coin and then they will be able to get the yield on behalf of you so that you don't have to worry about interacting directly with a smart contract. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I mean, 0.2% putting your money in a bank or, you know, five to 7%. I think it's a, it's a no brainer. You know, the, mm -hmm. the only thing that we should be really careful about talking about um, is the fact that when you put your money in there, obviously you're putting your cryptocurrencies in there, which, which are, are volatile assets, right? They can move up mm -hmm. and down. Right. So if the market gets tanked, obviously the percentage of what you make can be less. If it goes higher, it can be more. Whereas if you're doing that with something like, you know, the U.S. dollar, for example, you already you already know that that's going to be one dollar. Right. Um, so it's a little bit more stable of a return. Um, but um, yeah, really fascinating news here. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Okay, so so let us uh, wrap up the weekly roundup. Thank you very much, Yidu. Thank you, Vody.
I think moving on, we want to touch on a couple questions um, that we got from some of the listeners this week. Um, we probably have time for a couple of questions here. Um, let's see. We have um, one question um, talking about um, what's the difference between um, yield farming and staking, which is still confusing to me uh, a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a good question. So the difference between, first of all, let's talk about staking, right? So we can take Ethereum, for example, because um, we know Ethereum is switching to proof of stake very soon. Um, so if, if 2.0 is going to um, allow people to stake their coins, I think you can already start to stake your, your e 2.0, uh, 2.0 Ethereum right now uh, in preparation for the merge. So in that in this particular case, you're basically putting your money away. I think the best analogy is to putting your money away in a in a in a deposit box in a bank, and in return you'll be you'll be getting yields from by ensuring that you're not moving your coins. So by saying okay, I'm putting this let's say two Ethereum away, uh, or two Ether away in this case, you'll be getting like four percent rate uh, from your from by staking your ETH. And the similar concepts applies to any other proof of stake coins. So by staking your coins, any other proof of stake coins, you can get additional yields depending on the market conditions, uh, as well as the, the liquidity of the, that particular token. So that's proof, that's staking. Um, in terms of yield farming, so that's that taking that concept to a, another level. So what yield farming is after you finish the stake, the, the protocol will take the money that's being staked and then interact with interact the money with another lending or trading protocol and then start earning money based on the staked money. So it's kind of like a money Lego, right? So you're putting some money and then somebody else or the protocol use the money to, to trade and then put it into what we call like a, like a liquidity pool or LP. And that pool, that liquidity pool is going to, to be used for traders or leverage traders uh, to interact with. Um, you can take like small cut, I think it's like 0.5% provided liquidity provider fee. And uh, as a liquidity provider, you're getting incentivized to provide the coins so that the other the others can use the liquidity pool to trade. So it's this like money Lego, like um almost like a like a virtuous cycle thing where money keeps pumping into the the pool and then you get yield and then more money get pumped back into the LP. Does that make sense? So is it almost like compound interest almost when you're yielding? Is it, it is that is in it kind a of way? Like yeah, in a way yes, uh, except that um, it's based on a it's a two-sided pool. So usually um, if we talk about like a uniswap or a compound uh, our sushi swap usually, usually there are two two coins in that pool uh, you can have a, a usdt which is a stable coin and then let's say pick another one i don't know i can say uh, wrapped eth right which is the, the wrapped version of ethereum so that two-sided pool it's it's basically providing a liquidity to all of the leveraged traders who want to trade between eth and stable coins in this case, it's USDT or Tether. So by providing this liquidity, the more money there is in this pool, the, 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 the more um, liquidity it provides to the trader, you know, so that they can 
easily i don't know they want to take out like two eth out of the pool and then you're putting like a, a two eth worth of usdt on the other side of the pool um so that the pool is still balanced right it's a one-to-one -one relationship between the eth and usdt in this case in terms of the value uh, but the goal is to have this 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 stable pool so that um you know it gives the the, the traders the liquidity they need to do the trades they want and then in return, uh, you're getting uh, value. You're getting rewards for providing liquidity. Got it. So that's that's more, and and you can leverage some of your own, like a percentage of your own, uh, absolutely coins in there. I yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. You can you can even you can even use another lending protocol, uh, like Aave. You can lend your money. Uh, you can borrow money from Aave, and then lend it back uh, into Aave, so that you're basically levered up. So think about like if you have like hundred dollars, you can you can borrow uh, use that as a collateral to borrow another eighty dollars from Ave, and then um, you have like one hundred eighty dollars, and then you can put that money back in. So it, it becomes this like circular lending thing, um, where you're constantly levered up right until you you reach certain health factor that's determined by the protocol, and then you can no longer lever it up because any more anything more risky than that. Uh, there's a risk of liquidation if the price goes down. Got it. So borrowing from Peter to pay Pascal the pudgy penguin. Pretty. <laughs> That's the great way to put it. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I think we got time for one more question. Um, sure. I think we had another question from one of the listeners that kind of wants to understand the difference between uh, like a, what, you know, a centralized exchange and a decentralized exchange. So obviously Coinbase, Gemini, you know, KuCoin, um, even Binance, right? Those are examples of some centralized exchanges. What makes them centralized compared to maybe some lesser known exchanges out there that are that are decentralized? Yeah, again, a great question. So the main difference between centralized exchange or SEX and decentralized exchange or DEX is that in a centralized exchange, you don't hold your own keys, right? You basically... Um, send your coins to a centralized wallet and then you know you expect them to to custody your coins and then they do a, a bunch of transactions on the background using their own wallets however in a dex you are empowered to control your own wallet you basically connect your metamask wallet to the dex and then uh, you can do all kind of exchange or um, trades on that dex without having another person holding your private keys. That's really huge, right? You basically are no longer worrying about, you know, what if the, the exchange gets hacked uh, in a sex um, like Binance, um, it, there's always a possibility, right? Even if these exchanges have been around for a very long time, that could always happen. Um, and also they usually take uh, like a fee, um, you know, for each trade or for each withdrawal, they take a small amount of fee uh, from the, the transaction. Um, and I think the, the last difference is that uh, for, for any of the DEXs, uh, it maintains the anonymity of the transactions. Uh, basically, for all the sexes um, out there, they require you to, to submit all the KYC approvements uh, information. One way or another, they share the information with the government, right? Whereas in the, in the decentralized exchange environment, uh, KYC is not required. Okay, so um, yeah, that's 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 really helpful. I think uh, I think I'd like to understand at you know a certain point some of the decentralized exchanges because obviously some of the challenges with using you know your Coinbase's and things like that, um, Gemini's, 
is that they just don't have some of the you know smaller coins um, that you'd like to kind of get in on earlier if you're interested in a project. Right. Um, it's it's challenging if you're waiting for them to hit those you know the on ramps of of Coinbase and and something like that. So yeah, it w- would be fascinating to kind of talk about some of the decentralized exchanges out there, um, yeah. the dexes as you put it, and how you can get uh, signed up with some of them. And and just to kind of call back to what we discussed earlier. It's more likely for you to find like a hundred x small small cap coins on the Dex than a Sex. So just put it that way. Yep, for sure. Okay. I mean, we talked about a lot tonight. No, no one particular topic, but a lot of interesting news. Um, I think I'd like to wrap up tonight with a poem, if you don't mind. You do. Ooh. I've I've written hey. a poem. Okay. Let's see it. Um. So here it goes, everyone. Um. Please be gentle. Bitcoin is orange. Ethereum is blue. Dogecoin is shit. Shiba Inu is too. All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. On that note. <laughs> On that note, uh, I'm going to go dunk my head in a, some ice, uh, ice cold water. Uh, appreciate you all. And uh, we'll, we will catch you hopefully uh, later this week. Thanks a lot. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. Calling in a different test like